In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three, and One who calls us to believe that He wants us to come to Him in prayer for the things that we want and need. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we walked into my neighbor's house with a goal in mind, and uh, that goal was to purchase their car. And we had talked about this, and we had, they, they were looking to sell their car. We were looking to purchase a car. And so we, we figured that this matched up. And so I had done my homework ahead of time. I'd gone to the Kelly Blue Book site and, and figured out what the, the car was worth. And so we, we get into their living room, and um, we, we kind of knuckle down, ready. Uh, we're friends with these people, but at the same time, uh, you know, this is buying and selling a car. So we knuckle down, and I go, well, I looked it up on the Kelly Blue Book site, and it's worth uh, 12500 and, uh, you know, uh, we, we figure it's, it's probably worth that. Um, uh, that's what we're offering you. Um, you know, change our mind as to why it needs to be more. And uh, my neighbor responded, and he was like, well, we're thinking eleven. <laughs> and I said, Dan, that's not how this works. And he said, no, you know, we, they, that's what we were expecting to sell it for. We weren't expecting to get exactly the, the, the price that it's worth on, on the Kelly Blue Book site. So um, that's what we're going to sell it to you for. And I walked away going, wow. Okay, well, that was different. That's not what I expected. And in a lot of ways, that's what we're supposed to walk away from these readings thinking. Uh, we're supposed to walk away from these readings with that sense of we just bought a car for a little bit more than a thousand under what we were willing to initially offer. Uh, you know, that sense of like, wow, that was amazingly kind of easy, almost disconcertingly kind of easy. And yet, so often in these stories, specifically the story uh, about Jacob wrestling with God at the Jabbok River, and the story about the widow who is, uh, the parable about the widow who's talking to the unrighteous judge, we want to walk away with those stories, and we want to walk away with them with this sense that we have this adversarial relationship with God. That what we need to do with God is we need to wrestle Him until the morning comes. And then, if we just wrestle with him enough, then he'll finally bless us. Or, if you're more like the widow, then what you need to do is nag. And nag, 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 until the unrighteous judge, who in this case is God apparently, says, Okay, fine. Give you what you want. But maybe it's that this character is named the unrighteous judge that should give you a little bit of a clue that what Jesus is saying in this parable is that the unrighteous judge is not supposed to be God because, well, this guy's unrighteous. And that's not who God is. And, or maybe it's that Jesus even opens up the parable telling you what it's about. Saying, you should pray and not lose heart. And then he even ends it by saying, won't God give you what you want? But yet we 
Well, well, we get really wrapped up in the story, and we go, well, I got to wrestle, or I got to nag, or I got to do whatever. And we turn this into an adversarial relationship with God about the stuff that we want. So we're like, God, I, I want this, and I know that you're a big killjoy, and you don't want me to have the things that I want to have. And so, therefore, I'm going to wrestle you or nag you. Or maybe nag you while I'm wrestling you. But either way, this is going my way, buddy. And that's why it's an adversarial relationship. It's because oftentimes the stuff that we're praying to God about is stuff that we want, but we don't want him to have any part of it. It's kind of like we're going to God and we're saying, hey God, I want this, don't ask why. God, I, I want some more money. Don't ask what I'm going to spend it on, but yeah, just a little bit more money. That would be great. Or, God, I, I want this. And, uh, well, I don't want you to be a part of this after you give it to me, but I want this. And can you please give that to me? And God's like, uh, let's talk about this. But so often, we have it set up in our heads so much that this is going to be an adversarial relationship with him that we don't see the ease of stepping into that conversation with God and, and how that might go. This happened when, when I was in high school. When I was in high school, it came to be around prom time, and I had just, uh, and my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, and I had just broken up. Yeah, we we split the assets and everybody went their own way. And I was left there just before prom, like a couple weeks before prom. No prom date. By this point, pretty much anybody else who would have been a good prom date already taken. Already has that going on. So I, I, I'm left with this kind of thing of like, well, um, what do I do? What, you know, do, do I just go stag? Do I, do I figure out something else? Is there a friend of a friend someplace? And then I remember Heather from the summer before. And uh, I had met Heather, and she lived in Tennessee. And, uh, and she was in senior, and I, I didn't think she was going to, to prom that year. And I was like, I don't know. It could happen. Probably not, but it's worth a shot. So I went to Dad, and I said, Dad, I've got this idea. I don't have a prom date. I want to fly in my prom date from Tennessee. And my dad didn't say, that sounds like a bad idea, Jay. And it was. <laughs> Looking back at it, she was a terrible prom date. My dad didn't say, that sounds really expensive, Jay, and it was. <laughs> Instead, my dad said, let's figure out how we can do this. And after I picked myself off the floor, <laughs> we worked it out. 
And we figured out how we could get her up, and, 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 and the next thing was going to be, you know, actually asking her to be my prom date from Tennessee, flying her in, all of that stuff. She said yes. And, and I was amazed at the ease in talking to my father and saying, hey, this is something that I want to do, and my dad going, well, if you want to do it, let's figure it out. And because of that, I may have had a terrible prom date. And I did. And I may have lost some money. But that memory for me continues to be a memory of my dad showing grace to me in hearing you want this let's work that out not in a way that was adversarial not in a way that was trying to talk me down but in a way that said hey this is something that you want and you know let's talk through that let's make sure that that everything's lining up but Let's go after what you want. Now, some of the stuff that we ask God for, we're asking God the wrong stuff. And God knows that. And God's saying, well, okay, you, you may want that, but it's not going to be good for you at the end of the day here. So we're not going to go there. Let's try to figure something else out. But it's not that God is working against what we want because he's a gigantic killjoy. It's because God is treating us as a father. See, that's the beautiful thing in this gospel reading is that you go from being one of two people that have no power of their own in society during Jesus' time. A widow or a son. A, a widow has no power on her own, but a son doesn't have any power on his own either. The big difference is that the widow doesn't have any power relationally either. Her husband, her sons, all of those people... They've gone, and that's why it's supposed to be so impactful, is that this is pers a person who doesn't have any power in that society, and she's going up against this person who has ultimate power, and yet even this person who has no power is able to win over the person with ultimate power. But the point that Jesus is making is not that if you have no power, you still have the power of nagging. Rather, it is that you have been called into a different power dynamic. And that your power dynamic is no longer one in which you need to nag. But that your power dynamic is that you are the son or the daughter of the father. Who promises to listen. Who promises to say, I'll work this out. Let's figure this out. Let's see if this is healthy for you.
And God promises that if we ask for, for just one thing, that, that there's one thing that, that he's going to say, I'm, I'm always going to answer yes to that. And it's the forgiveness of our sins. That no matter when we come to him and we say, Lord, I need to be forgiven. I need to be forgiven of treating you transactionally. Uh, of treating you as just kind of this vending machine or this slot machine in which I just put in a few coins and maybe I get an answer out of you. Maybe I don't. I need to repent of that. I need to be forgiven of that. Lord, I, I need to uh, confess to you and, and be forgiven of the, the sin that is just seeing you as my adversary, seeing you as somebody who's working against me when I know better. I know that I'm your baptized child. I know that you love me, and yet I treat you in this despicable way where I see you as an unrighteous judge so much of the time. Please forgive me of that. And God promises that if you confess those sins, if you confess any sins, that his answer to you will always be, it is yours. Because the thing that makes you not a widow in the story and the thing that makes you a son or a daughter in the story is that you've been invited into the family by Jesus. That Jesus is your brother who died on the cross in order to make you his, bro- his brother or sister. That your adoption papers were sealed with his blood. And that he has brought you into the family so that you can ask of the Father for whatever it is. The things that you need or the things that you want. And that the Father promises to hear and to listen and to work it out with you. And so may you go into this week remembering that The Father is not your adversary, but that he is your dad. Amen.